name's Samantha. I wanted to know if you have any apartment availabilities coming up of any size. This is what a good portion of Samantha Nowell's workday is often like. Dial a landlord, ask if there are any rooms available for her homeless clients, get told no, hang up, rinse and repeat. Okay. Okay, thank you. I'm Sam Nowell. I'm the housing coordinator on Placer County Whole Person Care. And um, I am sort of an intermediary between our case managers who work with our clients and landlords and other community resources. My goal is to try to connect people with appropriate housing situations in our county. The vacancy rate in Placer County is about 2% availability, um, and there are way more people looking for homes than um, there are homes available. Um, and then the rent prices are just so high. Um, for a person on SSI, they get a little under $1,000 in income each month, and Finding a studio for under $800 is nearly impossible in Blaster County. So it's it's really rare to be able to get somebody into housing when they are living on disability without some extra assistance. Apartments have um, income requirements of two or three times the rent, which means if the, the rent is $1,000 and they have to make Three hundred or three thousand dollars a month in order to qualify for that, and none of our clients meet that threshold. Um, and then just availability in Placer County of any open units is a challenge. There's so many people looking for apartments, and there's very little out there. So in the mornings, I try to look at Craigslist and I look at rooms for rent, and I call some apartment complexes and I see what's available. In this episode of our podcast, we'll be looking at housing and the creative ways the Whole Person Care Program and its partners are finding solutions, even when every sign in Placer County seems to say no vacancy. A lot of landlords have, um, there's, there's a stigma around anyone who's working with a case manager or with the county or has a voucher. Um, the best thing that we have people get is when they come up on the housing voucher wait list. But many property managers don't like to accept the voucher. It's been renamed the housing choice voucher, but it's previously known as Section 8. And when you hear a landlord say, do you mean Section 8, and cut you off, you know where it's going. They say, oh, these people, it's they're impossible to evict, and they trash the place and I don't want drug users. I don't want people on on a program. I when they say I don't want people on a program, that's just blanket. Like they don't want anyone who's receiving help. Um, so it's really discouraging because we try to educate them. When I get when I get an answer like that that they don't take Section Eight anymore, I say, well, it's been renamed and they've been working on improving the program and um, we have ongoing case management and if you have any problem you can give us a call and we try to help these people be successful in their housing but it's it's really hard to change minds and so how often do you end up in a situation where they have a voucher but they just can't find a spot in the last year i think we had one client give up a voucher we almost had to have another client give up a voucher but we were able to put him in permanent supportive housing and use his voucher there. 
So he just went into a, a different program-funded house. So he got to keep his. But it it's really difficult. Um, and I know that people lose their vouchers a lot because they can't find them. In this difficult climate, Sam and the whole person care caseworkers do everything they can to help their clients be able to compete. Sometimes that means starting with the basics. We find that the people we work with have lost their ID or we have certain people who just lose it once a month and they have to go get more, you know, more documentation and um, social security award letters. That is something that very few of the people we work with have when we started working with them. And we need that income verification to apply for apartments or whatever programs we're applying for. I remember calling um, calling a landlord and they were they were actually upset with me that I worked for the county and that I was trying to help somebody else find a place and they hung up on me and they said they had 15 other people on the wait list and so they could do it with or without me, basically. That's Todd Perbetsky, a caseworker. As you may remember, he had been working with two of his clients, Carly and Skip. They'd become his clients back in April. In October, both were at the temporary shelter in North Auburn, working on rental applications. There's a house that we bought, a yeah. program bought, and it's got a bunch of rooms. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, put an application for you. Okay. And maybe if you get it, you have a room to yourself in this house. Oh, that'd be great. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, I can take care of the yard and stuff for you, too. Yeah, I think there will be a little bit of yard, too. So maybe you can do a little gardening and stuff. Because of Skip's age and his physical limitations, Todd had tried a few solutions in the past thinking the regular rental situation might not be sufficient for his needs. The first idea, which was a good, a good plan, was uh, uh, board and care. Uh, board and care is they pay for the room and the, um, so the housing and the food and some like caregiving, so laundry. And so there's always somebody supervising. Uh, and the first place we got him was um, in Weimar, so... Um, at first, he I mean, he was really excited to get out of the shelter. He, you know, he he always talks about having his own place and whatnot. Um, so that was the original idea because he is so frail to have him have a little bit more care. And um, so he he didn't take so well there. I think it was a little bit too much care for him. He wants to just wander off to KFC and wherever yeah exactly yeah. so so having somebody have he had to check in with somebody regularly and he didn't like that so um, and being told where he can smoke and what he can say and and the community also which he was out there he's he has all these friends that he likes to talk to he likes to chat it up and give everybody dream catchers and and uh, so he kind of I think really was a disconnect from his community uh, more than anything so um so that, you know, I, I visit him once a week at least to, to, to try to kind of, because, you know, moving can be difficult yeah. for anybody. So I um, tried to give him time to get comfortable, and it just it just wasn't working. So so we brought him back, and he was happy to be back. He he actually got in a fight with one of his roommates, so that we, we brought him back. And, uh, and then the second place was a board and care was first place. This was a room and board, which is no supervision, but they um, they get their meals so they're paying for their room and their meals, um, and their rent is included. And it was in Sacramento, and he got lost a few times in the big city, and which can be scary. So that was kind of a little scary for all of us because, you know, um, he got picked up by the police. He was wandering, and he couldn't find his house. 
But he also didn't really take to his roommates that well. Um, it wasn't a really great fit for him. Almost maybe not enough supervision. So even when a caseworker manages to find some availability, it can still be a really tough balancing act to find the right fit. I asked Skip. What's like your ideal place to live? Like, Because it seems like you're an outdoors kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to have a, a cabin up in the mountains somewhere. You know, where you go out and you can watch weather. I love to change, change the seasons. Like now it's fall. All the beautiful colors there are. When the sun hits that in the evenings, it seems like it's, it's like a picture book. You know, in the mornings when it first comes up, it's like a picture book. All day long, you have your leaves coming down. You know, and it can be really, really beautiful at times. Luckily, Todd and the whole person care staff had a few other ideas up their sleeves. Okay, what do you want to sign right here? Uh, sign. We received a million-dollar grant from Sutter Health uh, for permanent supportive housing. It was a matching grant. That's Jeff Smith again, the whole person care manager. Sutter is really working on the homelessness issue, and they had to have a getting to zero initiative. And Sutter's a big player in healthcare in the region, and no one else really in the region had a whole person care program at the time. And I think right at the time, I think those kind of came together, and uh, we were very fortunate to get a grant from them. You know, they gave us a million dollars, and for a million two in this community, we got an eight-bedroom house and a six-bedroom house. That's really good. Um, two pretty nice places. Sutter Health is committed to addressing the root causes of homelessness, and housing is obviously an integral part of that solution. That's Kelly Brank with Sutter Community Health. Two years ago, we launched the Getting to Zero campaign um, to encourage public-private partnerships to address chronic homelessness. And we thought it was important to align resources and strategy to ensure that we are all playing from the same playbook as it relates to addressing homelessness. Um, And so when we align resources, we're more efficient, we're more effective, and we can help more people. Not only is housing homeless individuals the right thing to do and it helps them lead healthier lives, but it also creates less fiscal impact across the entire system. We see costs go down from just under $3,000 a month per homeless individual to about $600 a month. And that's looking at jails, law enforcement, fire and EMS, shelters, hospitals. This is the across the entire spectrum of the system. It's just a better use of resources and in the process, we're helping people in a more effective way. And so Todd helped Skip put in an application for the home in Auburn purchased with Sutter Grant funding. Skip visited and was very excited. Internet in your own room. Oh, wow. Okay. Big screen TV. Garden in the front yard. Oh, it's got a garden? Yeah. Oh, that's perfect for you. It's unreal. Yeah. But I'm so excited about it. It almost brings tears to my eyes. It, 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 it's so spectacular. It's unreal. It's, it's like every dream in the world comes from on time. It, it, it's unbelievable. That's really cool. You know? It, it's like a dream come true. 
But first came his interview conducted by Amy Housing. We have a contractor we're working with, Amy Housing. Amy mostly does the property management. So we refer clients to them. They fill out an application and they look over those applications. They interview the clients and they select the ones that they feel like are the best fit. They provide some supportive housing services like weekly meetings to help make sure everyone's getting along and, you know, help things move run smoothly. Amy provides uh, permanent and transitional housing and employment services for people with mental illness in Placer County, as well as rapid rehousing programs for homeless individuals and families. That's Jennifer Price, Amy's executive director. Permanent housing means they get to live there for however long they want to. They only pay 30% of their income towards rent and utilities. They do have to provide their own uh, telephone and internet, but we do provide, and cable, sorry. (laughs) But we do provide the um, gas, uh, electricity, water, sewer, and everything of that nature. So generally clients um, have maybe 800 and something. 70 or $900 a month in income. So this means that for their rent and utilities, they're paying usually no more than $300 a month, um, which is which is affordable when you, um, and leaves you money for groceries and, and um, other things that you might need. So far, I've been pleasantly surprised with our two um, houses that we purchased. We haven't had any pushback from the neighbors. We actually had one neighbor um, who was um, having issues with the previous owners because it used to be a board and care. And so he was fully expecting to have those same issues with us. And he had, he had made a comment to us that he didn't even know we were living there, <laughs> which was great news because, you know, people automatically want to think the worst. But um, we do our best to work well with the neighbors and to address any concerns they might have. So Skip interviewed with the folks at AMI. And on November 6th, he sat with Todd, waiting for their call. We're finding out if you're going to get in this house, this new house. Remember what I showed you? Showed you pictures of it? What house? Do you remember the pictures I showed you of the house? Yeah. Do you want to look at them again? Sure. All right. So I went up there today. It's about a walking distance to the lake. Oh, man. Does that sound good? Pretty nice looking place, huh? Yeah, That deck is nice, yeah. Are you a cook? Yeah. What do you cook? Oh, you did shit. I cook anything, cook anything you want. Oh, there's a nice kitchen there. Are you going to cook me a meal? Yeah. All right. I'm looking forward to it. What are you going to make me? Whatever you want. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. What's the first thing you're going to do if you get this place? What was the first thing you'd do at your new house if you get it over there? What am I going to do? Yeah. What would you like to do oh, most? Oh, man, I'm just going to take back and relax and go, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Finally, the phone rang. Hey, Todd. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Good. So I got you on speakerphone. I have uh, Mr. here, and he's been looking forward to hearing from you. All right. Hey, Skip, how are you doing? Oh, good. Good, good. Hey, so I spoke with uh, everybody over there at the county, and uh, we wanted to go ahead and offer you the position um, for you to live over at the Lake Arthur house. So, Does that sound like something you uh, you can agree to? Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh, coordinate with your team over there and schedule a move-in date, and uh, look forward to having you living over there with us. Okay, that's sounds great. Does it? 
Yes, it does. Glad to hear. All right, thank thank you very much, but we'll see you on. Uh, I think we have him scheduled on Wednesday to, to come on over afternoon. Wednesday, perfect. Yep. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call, and uh, he is very excited. Glad to hear. All right. Congrats, Skip. We'll see you soon. All right. Okay. Thanks, bud. All right. All right. Thanks, Todd. Bye. All right, buddy, you're in. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh man, I'm so. I don't know how to explain it. It's gonna be good. Oh boy. You're really gonna like it over there. Okay. So moving day on Wednesday? Wednesday afternoon, okay? Okay. Wednesday at three o'clock. So, you know, gather up all those hidden candy bars you got stashed, all right? Okay. Put them in your pillowcase and you know, we'll go up the hill on Thursday afternoon, all right? Okay. All right, congratulations. Yeah. Two days later, it was moving day. Carly happened to be moving in on the same day to the same house. And so the three of them, Todd, Skip, and Carly piled into a car and left the shelter. So have you been in your new room? Yeah. Oh, cool. All my stuff is in. Todd took me this one. Oh, good. So you're just picking up more of the last few things? Yeah. Okay, cool. Once there, Skip and Carly got the grand tour and signed on to the house rules. All the paperwork. You're done. We're done. Congratulations. Congratulations. Boy, man. Right. Now cook me up some clam chowder, would you? Cook me up some clam chowder, would you? Okay, don't lose your keys, all right? Yeah, you got keys on you, all right? Maybe we'll get you a fancy key ring or something. Viva Las Vegas or something. You need a fancy keychain? You got something on there. Five. Yeah, I got one. Around neck. Okay, don't lose those. Those are keys, buddy. You excited? No. Tell Katie how you feel. Like a billion bucks? Huh? Feel like a million bucks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then some. And then some. All right. Todd is hopeful that this will be the spot that sticks for Skip. It helps that Carly is around to assist her friend. It sure beats the shelter and the street. Yeah, that's for sure. When she moved in, she really liked her personality. She got more confident, and it was like, wow, like you really could see the change in her confidence level and um, less anxiety. Well, one year ago, I was in the shelter, kind of curled up on my bed, just not wanting to deal with people, and going to. appointments only because I had to and doing things that I had to do. I would either still be in the shelter, not going anywhere, or if I didn't, if I was there too long, I would be under a tree somewhere. And uh, I know that. And uh, now I have a roof over my head and able to pay rent because I have an income now. Carly's income stems from her part-time work as an in-home supportive services worker. She was approved to help skip out around the house with things he's not able to do. I applied and was accepted to the program where I uh, help with his meals and his laundry and his chores in the house that he can't normally do. Uh, So it's just, yeah. Just kind of helping him out. It's it's very rewarding. 
Okay, you are gonna start the bacon, okay? And let's not forget about Ellen. Every time you hear of like something that might be coming up, and then you sign up for it, and then it doesn't happen, it's like, oh man, not again. Ellen, as you'll remember, was at the interim care program, still recovering from some of the side effects of her cancer and treatment. Once she had finished her treatment and she was no longer able to stay at ICP house, um, she was going to have to go back to the gathering in. So what we wanted to focus on was finding permanent housing for her, um, which it was pretty limited for her because uh, her monthly income is approximately, I think, $130 a month. And that's just back to child support? Back child support, that's right. So it was very limited, obviously, um, to be able to find housing. And she she said she wasn't eligible for SSI, is that right? Um, Yeah, they denied her SSI because they felt like once she finished her cancer treatment that she was going to be able to go back to work right away. This is Karen, Ellen's caseworker. To that degree of, you know, a third of what $136 is per month, um, there aren't a whole lot of options out there. So, you know, uh, the focus began to be on the um, the houses that Whole Person Care was able to to acquire through, you know, the help of Sutter Roseville. Um, and so that was really, once we knew that we were going to be able to do that, that was the focus is getting her um, signed up for those houses and going through that process of being able to have an, an interview with AMI Housing and, you know, to get her into that kind of housing because that was really um, the main option that we had, really the only probably option that we had for Ellen. Karen called and said she was going to set me up with an appointment for this new house that Amni was opening in Rockland. And I said, that sounds great because Rockland's right down the street from Roseville. So not too far out of my current neighborhood. And then that took, like got delayed once. And then she called me like on a Thursday and said, can you have a, she called me on a Wednesday, said, can you go to an interview tomorrow? I'll take you. And I said, okay, yes. So I went to the interview and they called me like two hours after. I had a message on my phone. And when I called him back, he said that he would like to offer me a space at the Princess Court House, the Phoenix House. And, of course, I said yes. (laughs) And how did you feel then? Relieved that I wouldn't be out in the cold and that I would have my own room and a bathroom and, well, a whole house. This is moving day. Everything in front of the desk and the two bags behind it. That's it. Two years of stuff. In one look. Ellen is saying goodbye to her friends at the gathering inn, where she returned for just a few weeks while she waited for her new place to be ready. See you soon. Yeah. Not that soon, though. 
Once at her new home, she gets the rundown from Amy housing staff. So this is the house rules, and everything that we go over today, you will receive a copy of in the future. I'm just going to go over it um, and just stop me if I'm going too fast or you have any questions about anything. Okay. okay. Welcome to Amy Housing. I understand and agree to not abuse prescription medication or any other illegal drugs. I understand the program and the residents living in the home are expecting a clean and sober environment. Hello, yeah, take a look. Any bedroom is available. You get the first pick. Is there gonna be beds in them today? There will be beds, yes. We're picking up the beds in a, probably about an hour. Is the downstairs one gonna be available? It is available. That's my favorite. Got the double doors right into it. There's a bedroom downstairs. Yeah, did you one not see it? Ellen. I have mobility. Yes. Well, then I think that's, that's the best one. Well, now, what if the, somebody else has worse ones then? Well, first come, first serve, kinda. As of right now, the people that are coming in, you would have the most mobility issues. That's very sweet of you to care. We definitely want to, yeah, we definitely want to give priority to the people who would need it. I have bad neuropathy. You have another room in your closet. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, wow. Almost a full bedroom. Um, oh. Oh. These bedrooms are huge. They are pretty big, yeah. I mean, all of them. They are. I'm, so I'm right next to the living room and the kitchen, and then so I can cook again, and just rest and get well until we figure out what's wrong with my arm and I can get better. Now that she's housed, you know, I love to go visit her and just to see her in this beautiful house and, you know, just the peace that she has and just, um, you know, that she has that that sense that she's not going to be going from place to place to place, that she has that security, um, which is priceless. You know, it's just you can see in her countenance, you know, how different it is from when she was at the gathering and in homeless. You know? Do you guys have goals? Do you have goals for her now or is it still related? I know she has ongoing mm -hmm. health issues, but she has. Yeah, she's she's still recovering from her cancer treatment. Um I know that she's wanting to go back to work eventually. She's still having some physical issues that are not allowing her to go back to work yet, but kind of helping her in that way um, so that she can get more income. Once they get housed, we're, we're still working pretty intensively with those members to make sure that they stay there. But also, I mean, just getting housed isn't the, the, goal, the only goal of this. It's to make sure that the things that might have caused them to uh, experience homelessness to begin with continue to get addressed, that they're continuing to get mental health or substance abuse care, or that they're dealing with whatever criminal charges they, they may have, that they're dealing with medical issues, those types of things we continue to engage with and only exit the program when the all the team feels like that everything is under control. But people can also come back. So if we um, move people you know, out of uh, whole person care, they can always come back. The same eligibility criteria would apply. That's Rob Oldham, the county health officer. And here's Jeff Smith, who manages whole person care, both of whom you met in previous episodes. We continue working with them to make sure that things are going well, to make sure they keep their housing. It's not uncommon to place someone and, and not have it go well. So we want to help them through that process and make sure that 
they can maintain their housing or if something goes wrong to help them find something else. Once they're housed, they need to be able to to keep that housing. So that and that can be challenging too. Sometimes they get housed and they kind of feel away from their community or whatnot and and that can be challenging also. So it doesn't stop the process doesn't stop when they No, once they once they're housed they definitely need continued support. A lot of them have been homeless for a really long time, so they're kinda of used to that. And um, so once they get housed, they definitely need continued support. You need to go see them and check in on them and, and ask them how they're doing and, and continue them moving forward. Take Skip, for example. In March, he broke rules about smoking one too many times, and so he had to leave the Auburn home and move down to a 19-unit apartment building in Roseville that the county had purchased and renovated, reserving a portion of the rooms for whole-person care members. He kept trying to smoke a cigarette in his room, and when we would talk to him, he would, you know, say, oh, I understand. I won't do that. And we're pretty sure that he would just forget and just light up a cigarette wherever he happened to be. And they're used to just living day by day. And so um, when our clients have to suddenly live by somebody else's rules, it's a huge challenge to retrain yourself. Even you and I would have you know, if you're plucked up from where you're living and you have to go and live by somebody's book of rules the very next day, it's it's a lot. And he um, he has, you know, other health conditions and circumstances that make it so he's not always going to remember every rule that he has to follow. So, yes, it we are following him around to make sure he's successful. And it takes time like that. Our manager actually thought we should try vaping. And so far, it seems to be going okay. He, you know, he he was oddly receptive to that, and <laughs> we we were pretty happy to see that he's like he's okay. And Car- Carly, Carly um, charges his his vape pen for him, and they switch out the batteries, and she tries to remind him that you know this is this is how you smoke now and so we're all kind of on the same page about that but um it was a little late and um he he Amy worked with us in giving him another chance at a new place so that way um he had a fresh start there and with skip it did work months down the line he's still at his roseville apartment but sometimes of course even creative solutions can't save someone we had had two clients that are deceased and um, both of those were my clients. So yeah, there is a grieving process even though I hadn't been working with them very long, you know, and just, just it just strikes you as just the, the sadness of, you know, their lives being so short. We take the clients who fall through the cracks. So there are people for whom there are not really good solutions and it's hard to find something. So we'll keep looking and keep working and, build relationships and be creative and and make things work. Other programs have not taken those clients, um, you know, for whatever reasons, but it can be really hard to work with people and then see it not go the the way they want it to or you want it to. That can be really discouraging. so we concentrate on our successes, we build on our successes, we encourage ourselves with that and remind each other of those. We've housed 57 people at this point because this is, <laughs> we are taking a difficult to house population. So 
I remember when I first got here, expectations for this program were extremely high. And it was more about managing expectations. And I would say things like, yeah, we're going to cure homelessness and cancer. Because <laughs> um, the people were like, oh, whole person cares here now, right? Oh, homelessness is solved in Plaster County. Um, you know, and my boss was like, I think if we get 10 people housed by the end of the year, by December 31, I think we should consider this a great success. And I think he was trying to manage expectations, but I think he was also being pretty realistic. Uh, I don't think that was far from the mark of what would have been a reasonable expectation. And, you know, it's a couple months after that at this point, but we're at 57. And I just even, I almost can't even believe it. That is, it, it's it's really kind of mind-blowing how successful that is. How many do you expect to see over the lifetime of the Right. Over the lifetime of the program, we are supposed to see 450 unique clients. And at this point, which is not much more, we're actually at about a year of services now, uh, total clients who have been enrolled were right about 200. So we're not going to have any trouble meeting our 450 over the life of the program. I expect we'll go well over that. Whole person care got me off of living on the streets and out of a shelter and got me clean and sober and uh, in a home, uh, an actual home. I'm in the process of taking some business classes to refresh my, uh, my skills and then look for a full-time job and get back into society and yeah and and help people that have been through what I've been through that's important to me I want to complain on Sunday night to myself that oh my gosh it's Monday morning eight o'clock I have to go to work and uh, I you know I always did that before but I never appreciated it and I would definitely appreciate saying that now and Yahoo it's Friday at five I I want I want to be back there and I will I'm looking forward to my life being more like what it used to be and working spending time with my friends again Spending more time with my kids. It's like, I want my biggest problem to be that I don't want to go to work today. But I have to. (laughs) That is like something to look forward to. Going to work. (laughs) I always thought I was a strong person. And now I know I am. (laughs) A sense of humor will take you a long way. Giving up is not an option, ever. And someone I know recently chose that option and overdosed. 
and that for me, that would never be an option. I have way too much things I want to do with my family and my friends, and I believe I'm here to help make other people happy sometimes, so I have to stick around to do that. so we've reached the end of our four-part series. Whole person care began as an experiment of sorts. Could a local health and human services agency connect the dots between fragmented service providers and invest in non-traditional methods, like purchasing housing, to have a meaningful impact on the health of individuals who seem trapped in a downward spiral? And in turn, could that approach reduce costs to the entire system? In stories like Ellen, Carly, and Skip's, there are signs that the answer is yes, and that there's a glimmer of hope in changing the conversation around homelessness. We hope you've learned more about whole person care. Over the next few years, the program will serve hundreds more people, and we hope to bring you more stories from the front lines as that happens. For now, thanks for listening. <laughs>